Hi guys, and welcome to Murder on Silk Road, the podcast where we talk about Asian and European true crime cases. I'm Julia. Hi, Julia. <laughs> and that's Lena. Oh yeah. Hi, and Lena. I'm Lena. <laughs> and uh, yeah, this is the podcast. Today, Julia tells us a case, either Asian or European, and I'm here to listen and comment and point out all the mistakes she makes. Wow. Right? That's presumptuous of you. <laughs> no, That's no, um, presumptuous. We're just going to enjoy whatever Julia gives us. And was there anything else I had to say? Well, I mean, topics surrounding true crime can be maybe disturbing or triggering for some people. So just... Oh, yeah, yeah discretion your discretion is advised. Is advised. Um, there's no specific trigger warnings for my story. I mean, there's a death, but that can be expected. Mm -hmm. Other than that, um, there's a bit of talk about poison. Um, <laughs> Your favorite murder method. Well, yes. Okay, so trigger warning, there's a death. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's just me, but I feel like it's our first recording of a proper episode this year. And yeah. I am just a little not sure rusty. how everything works right now. Yeah, a bit rusty. A but bit rusty, yeah. People commented again on how difficult I am to understand. So I'm going to enunciate <laughs> my words very clearly, opening my okay. mouth uh, when I speak. If I start okay, mumbling but, or talking too quickly, please let me know. Okay, well, I mean, good thing is you're just listening today and maybe making some commentary, but the brunt of the talking That's is on true. me. And I've kept you in suspense because until, like, last week, I kept myself in suspense. I didn't know <laughs> what I was going to do. Yeah. But you don't know anything about what I'm doing. No. So this is going to be cool. All right, I'm ready for your story. Today, I'm talking about the case of uh, the Poisoned Umbrella Assassin. Poisoned Umbrella Assassin. Oh, oh, mm -hmm. is it the one, yeah. the North Korean one? No. Oh. Nope. Oh, then I don't know. <laughs> but you might, it might sound familiar, but um, I'll just, we'll see as we go. Okay. So, here's the story. On September 7th, in 1978... At around 1.30 p.m., Georgi Markov stood at a bus stop near Waterloo Bridge in London. Mm. As he waited for the bus to get back to his office at the BBC, he felt a sudden sharp pain in his thigh. When he turned around, he saw a man pick up an umbrella. The man apologized in a foreign accent, hailed a cab, and was gone as fast as he had appeared. Mm -hmm. Did he have a Russian accent? Possibly. <laughs> okay. You might be right. Yeah. Maybe. Not thinking too much of it, Markov continued on his way. When he was at his office at the BBC, he noticed a bit of blood on his jeans and was in great pain. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, that same evening, he became extremely ill and he was unable to broadcast that night. He started vomiting and he had a high temperature. The next day, he was so ill that he had trouble speaking, and so he was taken to the hospital. His blood pressure was normal, but his pulse was very fast. When doctors examined his right thigh, they found a circular 6-centimeter diameter hardened inflamed area, in the center of which was a 2-millimeter puncture mark, mm -hmm. although x-rays of the thigh didn't reveal any foreign objects. The doctor at the time took blood on admission and refrigerated it for future toxicological examinations. Mm. Markov's condition worsened and he stopped passing urine due to renal tubular necrosis. His temperature dropped and he started throwing up bloody vomit. Ooh. This, yeah, bloody vomit. Oof. That's, that's awful. What's urinal something something? Renal tubular necrosis. So necrosis yeah. is the dying of tissue. Okay. And renal is like, I mean, like 
renal as in like the i think it's like the anus and like the mm. basically that general area that general area and i'm guessing tubular meaning like Tubes. sort of the yeah so i'm guessing the death of tissue and like the renal area caused mm-hmm. him to stop passing urine mm-hmm. i was gonna look it up but i forgot mm. but basically he stopped being able to pass urine okay so his worsening of symptoms continued until he suffered a cardiac arrest on September 11th, 1978, which mm-hmm. resulted in his death. Mm-hmm. His wife, Annabelle Dilke, was left to raise their two-year-old daughter on her own. Oh, gosh, two-year-old. So was mm-hmm. were they both British? No. So Markov was a Bulgarian citizen. Mm-hmm. who later on moved to England, but we'll get into his backstory. And I okay. actually don't know about his wife. Okay. Examining the body, doctors discovered that his white blood cell count was over three times the normal value, which mm. led medical officials at the time to think he was originally killed by septicemia. So septicemia, or what's I think it's more commonly known as sepsis, Mm. is the clinical name for blood poisoning caused by bacteria. Mm. It is the body's like most extreme possible response to an infection. Mm. And it's actually so serious that when sepsis progresses to septic shock, it has a mm. death rate as high as 50%. Yeah, Henning had sepsis when he was in Taiwan. And that Holy was like shit. the worst time in my life. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. I mean, I remember it was bad, but I didn't know he had sepsis. Yeah, it was sepsis. He had some kind of infection, I think, going on in his intestines or something. Shit. And he didn't really figure, like, fix that. And, like, just one morning, he he usually always refuses or kind of doesn't want to go to the hospital. And I have to nag him about it. And then he says, fine, I'll go. Mm. But that morning, he messaged me. He's like, I'm feeling really bad. I'm going to go to the hospital. And that's when Holy, I knew then you know it was serious. Bad. Yeah, if he Holy crap. is that scared of something. And it, yeah, it turns out he had sepsis and he had to basically be on antibiotics the whole time and stayed in the hospital for a few days. And yeah, that was that was really I remember really awful. you telling me about that, but I didn't yeah. remember it as or I didn't remember you specifically saying sepsis, but I remember mm-hmm. how worried i was for both of you at that point yeah um i mean you probably know then but uh Mm. typical symptoms for septicemia or sepsis are uh fever a Mm -hmm. high heart rate nausea vomit as well as like many others but those are sort Mm. of the like important ones that i want you to kind of keep in your head a little Mm. bit yeah and just i think as a psa it's so I think we don't really hear much about it, but it can happen to anyone when if you just have an it's infection, right? It's so serious, and yeah. And it really is, like, it can go super bad super quickly. So if you suspect yeah. that, then just just go to the doctors and you'll be and fine. And just some it's, preventative yeah. measures is just make sure to wash your hands, especially after you've gone and used the toilet. Make sure that if you do get any sort of wounds or cuts Mm -hmm. that you properly disinfect them and treat them Mm -hmm. because actually um, I remember that one very common bacteria that causes sepsis is E. coli. Okay. So keep that in mind. I think most people have at least heard of E. coli. But yeah, yeah, just make sure that you're keeping hygienic and yeah, taking care of yourself basically. Mm -hmm. Anyway, please continue. Doctors or medical officials originally thought he was killed by septicemia because of yeah. his high white blood cell count and some of his like and his symptoms. Mm-hmm. But blood cultures disagreed with this diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And since his death was slightly suspicious, Scotland Yard continued investigating. Mm-hmm. His um, postmortem examination was conducted by a home office pathologist, and they excised a a large block of tissue from his right thigh where that puncture mark had been. Mm. And then this tissue sample that was excised was then analyzed 
at the Chemical Defense Establishment at Porton Down, which is a Ministry of Defense research facility. So this went like high. So they analyzed it through additional micro um, microscopy and the team there found a foreign object. Mm -hmm. The piece of metal that they found was similar to a like metallic bead. Mm -hmm. And on closer inspection, it was a like, tiny pellet that had two holes drilled into it at like 90 degree angles that created okay. like this X-shaped cavity. And yeah. the cavity would have been able to hold a very small amount of poison, which led mm -hmm. people to believe that Markov did not, in fact, die of natural causes and that mm -hmm. it may have been like plugged up with a coating for it to stay in the pellet um, mm -hmm. until the coating was probably designed to melt at body temperature. So once it was in the body, the coating mm -hmm. would have melted, allowing the toxin to get into the body and be absorbed. Right. So they thought that the pellet was implanted by an object, like perhaps the tip of a umbrella. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But so what actually killed him? Because like, what was the poison that was in the pellet? Well, there was no actual trace of poison in the pellet or in Markov. So mm -hmm. they had to do some expert detective work that mm -hmm. basically relying on the symptoms that Markov had exhibited. Yeah. They came to the conclusion that the poison had to be extremely toxic in small quantities. Mm -hmm. And so they looked at toxins that could produce the same illness or symptoms that he had showed. And this caused them to rule out illnesses caused by either bacterial or viral infection. They came to the conclusion that he was probably poisoned by the glycoprotein ricin. Mm. Um, ricin is made by the castor bean plant and it's mm -hmm. easily purified from the processed castor bean waste material. As little as 0.5 milligrams can kill an adult. Mm. Well, I have this like weird ass fact in my brain where I know that um, you shouldn't eat apple seeds because mm. they basically break down into what's basically a poison. And I thought yeah. it was ricin, but it turns out it's cyanide. So mm. doesn't matter. But yeah. I, w I was convinced until a second ago that it was ricin, <laughs> but never mind. Yeah. <laughs> Fun fact, there's also a Detective Conan episode or an arc oh. where someone kills or poisons someone else by blending a bunch of apples making them drink everything like apples whole and apparently like i'm not sure if it's actually enough but that person died of the cyanide in the apple seeds okay but yeah <laughs> another random not really pop culture but well i mean we're talking about a different poison but while we're on the topic of uh cyanide and apples mm -hmm. um i think that i mean the Conan arc had the right idea, but mm. the average adult would need to eat somewhere from 150 to multiple, like, thousand crushed seeds <laughs> to be at risk okay. of actual cyanide poisoning. Yeah. And and the average apple only has about five to eight seeds. Okay. And the thing is, That's you need to really... The, the seeds actually need to be crushed or chewed. And if you just eat an apple, they'll pro like usually just pass through you. Like mm. they won't like get broken down. So, yeah. so it's fine if you fun facts some apple on seeds. cyanide. Yeah, <laughs> basically. Did you also mm. have that um, paranoia as a kid where if you ate the seeds of a fruit, like mm. for me it was specifically like watermelon or cherries, mm -hmm. that it would like grow in your stomach. I think, you know, I've had images of that, but it wasn't really ever a fear because I didn't really swallow them all. I didn't really like watermelons. They're still not my favorite melon, yeah. so I generally avoided them. And cherries. I don't think we can be friends anymore, Lena. <laughs> like, I'm How can fine you not with watermelons. Like but watermelon. <laughs> it's just that weird sort of, it's watery, but then it has that 
weird taste to it. It's strange I love that taste water. Yeah, I prefer well, other melons. I just I just remember that when I was really young, I would I mean, it would be so much effort because whenever I ate watermelon and there was a seed, mm. I would always spit it out because I was like, I don't want to swallow the seeds. Like, because yeah. I was so young, I was dumb, right? I was mm. dumb as a young kid. And I was like, oh my God, uh, it'll like, won't leave my system. And I'll yeah. like basically grow a plant inside a plant me. Of watermelon. So, a watermelon yeah, baby. So, Basically, that would have been hilarious. <laughs> I um, have that fear with gum, but, though, I think. Oh, yeah. I think that's yeah. also, like, a pretty normal paranoia. Mm -hmm. I should look into that if that's actually a real or if yeah. that's a fake myth. But now I, like, obviously know how the body works and I know that they, like, pass through your system. Mm. So now I don't give a shit anymore. Mm. So do you swallow But, yeah, anymore? I just remember. Yeah. Because so it's just too much effort to just is, always yeah. spit them out. There's different types of watermelons, right? I, I don't like the ones that are sort of flowery, if you know what I mean. Like there's crispy oh, well, ones that and just fresh. Means, yeah, no, yeah. I know what you mean. They're they're like starchy kind of, or yeah, like yeah, flowery, starchy. like you said, in, in, the, mm. in the consistency. Yeah. Yes, yes. For me, that's a sign that it's like a little overripe. Oh, okay. I don't, I hate that texture as well. It's just. Okay, good. So we can Yeah, it friends. needs to be like. Yes. Thank you. We're okay now. We're okay now. For okay. now. For now. <laughs> so much for ricin in apple. Uh, not ricin. Jesus Christ. So much for uh, poison in things we eat every day. Mm. But can I just mention one more thing? Or can you of make course. me check it since you're, you have probably google open um yeah ginkgo seeds because my mom just told me the other day you can't eat too many of those either but i love them so much oh okay i've never heard that before um so cooking can reduce the toxicity of the seeds mm. but ingestion of like 10 to 50 cooked seeds at one time can cause poisoning what kind of poison is it? Or how serious Let is the poison? Let me check. Because I've definitely eaten over 10 at once. Oops. But I, I'm alive, so it's probably not that bad. I think maybe you just get diarrhea or something. So it's a naturally occurring toxin. Mm -hmm. So it's a 4-something methoxypyrodoxine, or MPN mm. for short, and cyanogenic glycosides, which is the same thing that's mm. in like apple seeds okay. that breaks down into basically cyanide. Yeah. Um, oh, damn. So it's cyanide. So, <laughs> well, I think it's not really the main one. I think the yeah. MPN is the main one. Okay. So um, it has an antivitamin B6 activity and it inhibits the formation of GABA, like the four aminobutyric acid, so GABA, GABA, from glutamate. Mm. And okay. GABA and glutamate play a role in transmitting nerve signals from one nerve cell to another. <laughs> this so is that so biological. Can, okay, yes. So it can, in large amounts, cause seizures and convulsions. Oh, okay. okay but like I said, that. cooking can reduce the toxicity Mm -hmm. so immature and uncooked seeds are more toxic okay okay so so if you ever have any of these symptoms following eating ginkgo seeds lena yes symptoms can be nausea vomiting diarrhea abdominal pain confusion and convulsions <laughs> okay all right I'll, I'll just stick to eating up to 10 at once yeah so a preventative measure is limiting your intake to mm. just a few seeds a day so okay yeah just so moderation lonely, please <laughs> okay all right we'll keep that in mind i don't want to lose you to ginkgo Aww. seeds thank you very much <laughs> <laughs> all right so back to the actual poison yes, sorry. <laughs> but i think like poisons are so interesting mm. We have to they're do probably like, like oh 
Can you do an in-between yes. on pufferfish? Because <gasps> I've had so much pufferfish in the last few days, like during New Year's. Well, I think I will do my in-between on yes. poisons in general. Okay. I think that that's super interesting. Just poisonous foods that we, you know, are in contact with in daily day-to-day life. Yes. But don't realize can be poisonous. All right. Okay. Yes. okay. We're decided. Poisons. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> so if you want to know more about poisons, tune in next Monday. Yes. <laughs> Okay, so going back to ricin. Mm-hmm. Um, symptoms of ricin poisoning often occur within eight hours of initial exposure, and mm. they include vomiting, dizziness, diarrhea, and high temperature, all of which Marco suffered. Mm-hmm. And so, like I said, common symptoms of septicemia are fever, high heart rate, nausea, and vomit. So mm. that kind of makes sense why they would have originally thought that right. as being a natural cause of death. Yeah. To really confirm the ricin diagnosis. And this, I think they could have, like, why do they, why do people need to do this? Mm. Um, scientists administered the same quantity of poison to a pig and the oh. pig died within 24 hours and displayed the same symptoms. Yeah. So circumstantially, evidence pointed towards Georgi Makov having been poisoned by ricin. Did they not have previous examples of pe- people being poisoned by rice? And do they have to poison well, another living being? The thing is, um, I think I read this in like one article and it makes mm. sense. If you think about the time, this was 1978. That's so true. That's pretty early. Investigative methods just or like just scientific methods as well just weren't at the same standard that they are now. Mm. It wasn't as easy for just information on stuff like this maybe to be disseminated across mm. the globe. That's so maybe true. there have been like rice and poisonings across the world, but maybe they just didn't, that knowledge hadn't reached that far. But I yeah. think it was mainly because of the time, like the methods just weren't as developed to mm. confirm something like that. Yeah, I completely forgot it was in the 70s. I just based it on, yeah. you know, Every, like every other person's watched Breaking Bad and knows that ricin poisons you like this and like that. But no, <laughs> not in the 70s. Um, yeah, I mean, we can only think about it from our standpoint yeah. and from our point of view. We would like if they said that they wouldn't be able to figure something out like that now, we'd be mm-hmm. like, mm, what are you covering up? But in like the late 70s, makes sense. Mm, yeah. OK, so they confirmed it was... Ricin. Well, circumstantially, most things pointed to ricin. Mm. So, you might ask yourself, why? (laughs) What did this man do that he would get shot by a poison, like, pellet? Mm. Well, a bit of a backstory. So, Mm -hmm. to set the scene, in the latter part of the 20th century, Bulgaria was closely aligned with the Soviet Union. Actually, the People's Republic of Bulgaria was such an enthusiastic ally to the Soviets Mm -hmm. that it was basically regarded as a loyal satellite state during the Cold War. And as with many other Soviet states, Bulgaria had its own secret police who were closely tied to the KGB. Mm. And obviously, this was bad news for any dissidents or Mm. what they maybe considered as dissidents but i mean they probably had their own view for what was dissident and Mm -hmm. we probably wouldn't agree now yeah but anything they felt threatened by basically yeah so that was kind of the state of the world uh Mm. in like like i said the latter part of the 20th century so makov was born in 1929 in bulgaria and he lived there for many decades He was an industrial chemist by training and a teacher by vocation. Mm -hmm. But he started working on his first literary attempts at the age of 19. He actually became a very popular writer. And initially, his works were acclaimed by the Bulgarian Writers' Union. He -hmm. even got close to, and I don't really know how to say this name, Todor Jivkov, maybe? who was the general secretary of the Bulgarian Communist Party and his family. Mm -hmm. This 
meant, this close relationship meant that Markov had access to top secret files, which allowed him to produce writing that helped bolster a very positive or heroic official vision of the state security forces. Mm. Propaganda, basically. Yeah. So with time, however, um, like Markov continued writing and his works were slowly with time deemed too bold by the censors and they started imposing bans on his works. Mm. In the 1960s, Markov's relationship with the Bulgarian government was because of that on unstable ground because he continued to push their boundaries with his writing style and his writing topics. Mm. So he fled, first fled Bulgaria, I should say. He first fled Bulgaria in 1969 to Italy, uh, to Bologna specifically, where his brother lived. Mm -hmm. He decided to move to London in 1970, but in 1971, the Bulgarian government refused to extend his passport and mm. they tried him in absentia in 1972 and he was charged with defection and he was sentenced okay. to six and a half years in prison and labeled a traitor. Okay. He didn't, of course, he didn't want to risk returning and uh, didn't want to risk his career and his life in Bulgaria. Mm -hmm. So Markov decided very smartly that it was safer to stay and work and live in England. Mm. He ended up working for the BBC and he conducted work for the anti-communist Radio Free Europe, or RFE for short. Mm -hmm. And through his work, he continued to infuriate his uh, home nation's communist regime, which mocked the his former friend and the dictator Todor Zhivkov. I don't, mm. like I said. So he produced a number of award-winning works, like plays and novels, during his mm -hmm. years in the UK. But the most important and the one that maybe led to his death was the um, translated reports in absentia, which were in-depth analyses of social and political life in Bulgaria under the communist regime. And in fact, three months before his death, Markov allegedly received an anonymous call saying if he didn't stop writing for the Radio Free Europe, then he would mm. be executed in a refined way that was out of the ordinary. Okay. That is one way of putting it. Right? right? But I only saw that in one source, so mm. I don't think that's like super confirmed that he actually like received a call. Mm -hmm. But I did find, like I said, one source where that was mentioned. Mm. And honestly, I could imagine it being the truth. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it feels like the whoever was making the call was really kind of smug. And yeah, we found this new way of assassinating someone. And then they really wanted to put it to use. They're too excited. They're like with the kids with a new toy. Like, I need to play with it now. Yeah, There is... One main suspect mm. in all of this as the likely assassin, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Ever since a Bulgarian journalist successfully sued for the release of intelligence files on a man named Francesco Golino in either 2005 or 2007, but around there, the world started knowing the name Golino, just basically his history. So he is, to this day, still considered the main suspect. And Francesco Colino is, or was, an Italian-born Danish citizen. He began working for the Bulgarian Secret Service in 1971. And here's how. Colino was recruited in 1970 when he was arrested in Bulgaria for smuggling and illegally trading, I think, drugs in mm -hmm. cars. And then he was recruited by the Secret Service and he was given the code name Piccadilly. Which, okay. why? Well, maybe they wanted to put him in the UK, so... Yeah, maybe. Maybe. So, in 1978, um, senior members of the Bulgarian Secret Service had a lavish dinner in his honor and then dispatched him to London around the same time as Markov's murder. Mm. A bit of history on Golino. So like I said, we're going to talk a bit about 
a fascist. So here's mm-hmm. the fascist. Okay. He was a fascist all his life. And mm-hmm. he owned a copy of Hitler's Mein Kampf mm-hmm. and a calendar with pictures of Mussolini. Oh, gosh. Which, okay. Why is that a thing that exists? <laughs> and I don't know why, but I get this mental image of like one of those like pinup calendars of like mm-hmm. models in like bathing suits and like posing like with cars, but with like Mussolini's face. I don't know why, but I got that mental <laughs> oh image, that- which is so disturbing. <laughs> You know, I would accept that more than, you know, just a where he yeah. just look is walking around in his military uniform. Like that at least feels a bit more parody It'd be funny. Yeah, it'd be funny as like satire or parody. Yeah, yeah. But no, this was like a serious calendar of Mussolini, okay. sadly. Mm-hmm. Apparently, or maybe likely, Golino's sort of political leanings also played a role in his sort of sexual deviance is what one article said or just maybe just his sexual interests Mm -hmm. so he as a child spent several years living with an aunt in italy and this aunt ran a brothel and so this kind of shaped his experience with like sex and maybe women i don't know but basically he sought out the company of sex workers throughout his entire life Right. And apparently he paid some of these sex workers to wrap themselves in Nazi flags during intercourse or pose in fascist uniforms. Jesus Christ. I mean, to each their own, but... Well... That is definitely not what I'm into. (laughs) Well, I'm glad to hear that. (laughs) (laughs) Just It just really disgusts me that he's so like he basically like seemed to idolize these like mm. fascist dictators especially hitler just like yeah. wrapping them in nazi flags it's just yeah it's so of, disturbing and so cuz yeah it's a weird relationship Let's, with the ideology that you admire or you're so right? passionate about like you that you're don't sexualizing that. it that's so yeah, weird yeah. You have, you know, everybody has their political view, I suppose, but that you kind of put that into your sexual fantasies is a little unique. I mean, yeah, sure. Everybody can have their own sort of political standings. Mm -hmm. And in this case, you can like it's the wrong political standings or political leanings because we do not condone fascists. No. (laughs) In this podcast. No, we don't. Yeah. We are actively so this against is, it. Yeah, seriously. So this is pretty disgusting mm. to me. I mean, yeah, especially as Also, Germans, just in general, that he... Yeah, This yeah. is the thing we just don't... <laughs> we just, yeah, and really, really repulsive. Just, us, but. Yeah, seriously, seriously mm. repulsive. So basically, for these encounters and, like, with sex workers and for these, like, images that like basically because he photographed all this right of Mm. like these sex workers like wrapping themselves in like nasty flags or like in uniforms for these like pornographic images he rented a studio and actually Mm -hmm. hired a secretary and posed as a photographer and modeling agent Uh and he demanded these like pornographic sexual photos or sexual favors in return for getting models like jobs oh that's so fucking just wrong so disgusting honestly i hate that yeah yeah so that's a bit of help anyone disturbing backstory he basically tricked these women yeah into doing this free work for him and then just fucked off without helping them well, I don't know if he did actually end up getting them jobs or not. I mean, he was posing as. He was he, claiming to be someone he wasn't, right? Either he, like, claimed that and, like, fucked off, or he yeah. actually got these photos and, like, these sexual favors and did end up getting them jobs. But either way, it's fucked okay. up. Mm. Yeah, so that, so much for his backstory. Mm. Who he is as a person, let's say. So, in February 1993, after the fall of communism in Bulgaria, 
Golino was interrogated for six hours by British and Danish detectives. Because, again, he's Italian-born Danish citizen, I think I said. Right, yeah. Yeah, Italian-born Danish. There we go. So he was... Um, wait, Italian-born... So... I have no have idea. Italy, and his name is very Italian, right? Yeah. And that, so I have no idea how he started working for the Bulgarian Secret Service. Mm. Like, if he had, like, family there, I... Like, that would make sense. But he's Danish, born in Italy. So, like, why is he working for Bulgaria? I mean, you say that he part makes off, no sense to me. He started off dealing or tra trafficking drugs, and he got caught, yeah. and that was he was just offered that deal, right? So maybe he just saw it as an opportunity to get out of prison, or he kind of I idolized suppose. just political, you know, just. In a way, being a secret agent, right? I can see yeah, someone who's maybe. really into political things or, you know, with the obsession that he had to be, I guess, interested or happy about the idea of being a spy and assassin or something. Well, maybe, but mm. if I think about it from like a government or like secret service a secret agency kind of like point of view mm. if it's not a citizen that maybe has an innate like nationalist like pride or like that mm. connection to your country doesn't that make the person a risk because yeah he maybe like has like similar views or views that align with their agenda mm -hmm. but he has no like loyalty to the country so for yeah. me, if like thinking about it, that would be a risk to like that person exposing what they're doing. And mm. that's why I think if you want to like work for the FBI or CIA, or I know for uh, specifically like in Germany for the Bundesnachrichtendienst, the like I, whatever sort of whatever their work is, you have to be a citizen of that country mm -hmm. or else you cannot work for that agency mm -hmm. and i'm guessing yeah. it has something kind of to do with that who knows i can also imagine them trying to recruit foreigners who they feel like aren't loyal to their own country because that's less suspicious if they go on missions like they are not obviously bulgarian so mm -hmm. but yeah who knows anyway after the fall of communism in Bulgaria in uh, 1993, mm -hmm. Golino was interrogated for six hours by British and Danish detectives. The investigators had received the sort of purged file on codename Piccadilly from Bulgaria, and so they questioned Golino about the Markov murder. Mm. During the investigation, Golino went back and forth and gave evasive answers like either saying nothing or asking questions himself, basically doing anything to like evade actually saying anything. Mm -hmm. He had learned how to behave during such an interrogation or interview from the Bulgarian Secret Service mm -hmm. when he received special training as an agent. He claimed that this Piccadilly file was fake and said like, oh, I can't explain why, why there's counterfeit passports with like my information in it i have no idea okay and sure. he, he had he admitted that he was in london in 1978 but he was mm. like i don't i didn't know markov and i certainly did not murder him mm. so due to lack of like substantial evidence that conclusively linked him to the murder of georgi markov mm -hmm. of course like the investigators had to let him go yeah but he might, like, Golino might have handed over some kind of information, like, apparently in return to be allowed to leave Denmark to go mm. to Austria. Mm -hmm. But that's not very certain. Mm. Golino died at alone at home in 2021. So oh, wow. I guess he got pretty old, actually. Yeah. His corpse was found a week after his death, and he was cremated and given an anonymous burial. So he, did he die in Bulgaria then? Or did he just live in Austria? No, in Austria, in Austria. 
Can you remind me again how they linked him to this case? Like, who was the person who brought him to the attention of the well, investigators? Well, basically, in, like, the early 2000s, this Bulgarian investigative journalist mm. was... I think he, like, sued for these files, but basically right. he got his hands on these, like, archived files from the Bulgarian Secret Service. Mm -hmm. And there was, like, some bits of a file about Golino in there. But, like, basically, after the communist regime fell, like, they destroyed a lot of this evidence. Mm. But there's enough in there that it kind of brought sort of their attention on Golino. Let's say okay. it like that. Yeah. Right. Basically, he's the main suspect, but he's dead, so he can't say whether or not he actually did it yeah and it's still open mm -hmm. and i think internationally like i think the british and danish might still be investigating but i think in bulgaria they're they kind of like started an investigation but they closed it pretty quickly mm. but basically um so the umbrella right mm -hmm. so in order to develop this umbrella as a weapon, it had to obviously be tested, right? Because mm -hmm. it was a gas pressure mechanism in the lower part of the umbrella that was supposed to shoot these, like, pellets into the victim's body mm -hmm. um, after a small, like, injection needle at the tip of the umbrella had penetrated clothing and skin. Mm -hmm. And actually, they found multiple, like of these sort of umbrellas in the basement of the Bulgarian Ministry of the Interior after the fall of the communist regime. Mm -hmm. This was definitely something they had tested or, like... Right. They they seriously, like, tested this and um, developed this as a tool. Mm -hmm. Basically, an ex-KGB agent reported that this umbrella sort of mechanism was first tested on a horse... Mm -hmm. And then after that, a prisoner that had been sentenced to death, mm. the horse died, but the prisoner survived. Okay. So they were like, okay, something obviously isn't going quite the way we wanted to. So yeah. they did another test run. And this test run was an attack on a, another Bulgarian defector whose name was mm -hmm. Vladimir Kostov in mm -hmm. the Parisian metro in August of uh, 1978. Mm. So same year, but yeah. Kostov also survived the okay. attack and he also saw a man with an umbrella like hurrying away from mm. him. Kostov later said that he felt a blow to his back and heard a bang like mm. from an air pistol. Mm -hmm. And when he was at home, he discovered a small wound on his back. Mm. A doctor removed several small objects from this wound, mm. but he survived. Yeah. But he also had, you know, symptoms of being sick and all that. Yeah, but... It, it was not enough I, no, actually, I, No, I actually don't think he was poisoned, but he basically... They... Like, they he got these, like, foreign objects, but I don't think they, like... It actually managed to poison him. Okay. So it didn't work properly. So, yeah. Mm. I, whatever the case may have been like why but it didn't work properly mm. so no, findings okay. yeah I mean at least he was able to survive mm. but basically findings from Scotland Yard pointed out that it is possible that a smaller more manageable weapon was used to administer the poison pellets instead mm. and the umbrella that Markov saw could have only served as a distraction. Mm -hmm. So it kind of just maybe not completely destroyed, but like I'm just gonna say destroyed. Um this this long held theory that it was mm -hmm. a single perpetrator, like for perhaps Golino. Mm -hmm. Um now investigators assume that an entire like or like a like a small assassination team like right. had worked to kill him. Okay. Yeah, that's so who knows for sure. Like, more likely yeah. for it to work. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, 
it's but fact of the matter is this umbrella with this mechanism exists so whether or not they actually used it to kill Markov it it's still something that they actually developed mm-hmm. and fun fact if you're ever in Germany you should go to the German spy museum in Berlin because they actually Ooh. have a real version of the umbrella in oh, this museum okay. and there's a replica in the i think washington spy museum or uh-huh. dc spy museum but basically somewhere in washington dc but yeah i went to the spy museum and it was really cool i can only oh, I have to go it. there next time when i'm Definitely. in germany maybe we can go together but yes yeah that was that was the first time i sort of heard about this i think really heard about the story i think mm-hmm. i kind of had mentions of it here and there mm. but i didn't know it was like a real thing yeah i mean i feel like i've read other stories of the kgb assassinating people i think there was a father-daughter duo as well yes and it was always poison yeah but a so, different one yeah 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 so i think at first i thought maybe you were covering that but yeah, it's pretty mm. straightforward, I guess, though. He, the only people who had motive, had a motive to kill him was the Bulgarian government or whoever was in power, who he offended. That is an interesting topic, though. Just, gen- yes. I really need to pee. <laughs> okay. I'm just going to run off to the toilet real quick. You do that. You do that. I'm back. Hello. <laughs> Your microphone verabschiedet sich. Yeah. But it was just really hilarious just now because when I like left my room, I saw that my roommate's door was open. So I like mm. called out, I was like, are you on the toilet right now? And she's mm. like, yeah. And I was like, I really need to pee. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why it took a while because I was just standing there kind of like doing that little I really have to pee dance (laughs) but anyway um yeah like you're saying there's a lot of sort of similar cases basically like cold war um Mm. these Soviet Union like satellite or Soviet Union the Soviet Union itself or like satellite Mm. countries that were also behind the Iron Curtain, mm-hmm. basically wanting to assassinate people that didn't agree with them or spoke yeah. out against them. It's basically a whole subgenre. And I mean, there's a lot of possible cases to cover there. And mm-hmm. a lot of them are with poison. So that's yeah, really interesting. I mean, if you want to kill someone in public discreetly without, mm. you know, leaving a lot of evidence, then that is the way to go. While you were gone, so if you cut it out, you probably will cut it out, but Julia... I'm going to cut it out. (laughs) I had a little bathroom break. Yeah. In the meantime, I was looking, just checking my phone and saw there was breaking news here in Japan of a man being shot in a Starbucks, which is so rare. Starbucks? Yeah, and being shot, which you barely... In Japan is insane. I mean, there's some gang violence sometimes, I think, where they're active, where people, you know, they have guns. But just in general, it's so rare to even hear about news involving guns. And that guy is yeah. still running, so they they haven't caught him. Oh. But not here in Kyoto, so I don't need to be worried. But, um, but yeah, hopefully they catch him soon. There's one case, speaking of, like, running from the authorities in Japan. There's one case that I hope you cover at some point. Like, I would cover it, but Mm -hmm. I think just because you can more easily use, like, Japanese sources than I can, Mm -hmm. um, I think it'd be better maybe if you covered it, Mm -hmm. about that... um, I forgot what his name is, but he, like... plastic surgery to run away. Yeah, 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 Mm -hmm. him. It, yeah. I would love if you covered it. Because I, I think I watched like a documentary about him. And uh-huh. I was like, holy shit, he is insane. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Because I think that one is a bit more known in general in the English speaking yeah, world. So, But it's so interesting. That's true. Yeah. I'll see. If I 
you know, maybe on your birthday, Julia, <laughs> cover that case as a mm, very cool. <laughs> wholesome birthday present. But yeah, super wholesome, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, we'll see, I mean, we'll see. I'd enjoy it. Okay, it's maybe yeah. not the most yeah, conventional of gifts, but no, um, I'll keep that in mind for sure. Well, that was my case for the week. And Thank you very much. You're welcome. So that was the murder of Georgi Markov, or as it's also known, the poisoned umbrella assassin. Mm-hmm. And as always, the sources will be in the episode description. So if you're interested in reading all the like little bits of information that I didn't put in the episode, because there is quite a bit, you can check those out. Mm-hmm. And if you want... Go to our Instagram at Murder on Silk Road uh, to see pictures regarding mm-hmm. the case. Yes. Yeah. Also, and- tune in next Monday to <laughs> the In Between, where I will talk about poisons. Yay! Yay! <laughs> um, yeah, and I think I just wanted to just add to the case that it's frustrating because if mm. you know his family members right they kind of know why or who did it or which country did it but there's no way they can find justice just because it's such a grand political war i guess not even a war thing but just because of the political system they had this was a consequence or a byproduct of that and there's not much you can do about it yeah, yeah, in those cases, basically And they didn't not, do anything yeah. wrong. Like He's just trying to get a better life for himself, for his family. And yeah, it's just awful. That's why freedom of speech and freedom of press are so important. It's just so important to keep fighting for that mm-hmm. so that things like this don't happen. Now, obviously, this was a different time. Like This was Soviet Union, communism... That's still, like, around, but mm. not in th- the same sort of... It happens, though, right? Because when you first said uh, Poison Assassin, I thought about the yeah. North Korean one that just happened, like, I don't know, a few years ago? Two, three years ago, maybe? But not in the same, like, frequency that it maybe yeah. occurred, like, during that time where that regime was still in power right right. yeah but it would be interesting i would love to hear you cover that case as well because poison is your thing which determined and political (laughs) motivated cases because really i don't think i'll be covering those to be honest i i prefer cases where you can kind of delve into the psychology of the perpetrator yeah instead of having you know it be part of product of a systematic political thing i didn't realize that i had a type but i seriously do yes (laughs) we are finding ourselves as true crime like researchers and podcasters yeah finding it's nice i have different types i think that's that's true yeah yeah i would never have covered this case i think so good (laughs) okay well honestly I thought that you still might enjoy it, though, because of, like, the spy aspect. Yeah, yeah, and I've, of like, course. Yeah. But, yeah, no, it's it's kind of funny that we um, complete each other in that way. Yes. <laughs> Where, obviously, I really love to hear about the, like, ones with the psychology and, like, mm. why and how and all that. Mm. But I find it hard for me to, like, tell those because mm-hmm. of, like, there's so much, like, research that goes into it. And I'm mm. often really lazy when it comes to the <laughs> research. Okay. Um, That's So why. <laughs> I prefer hearing about no, them. No. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's great. Yeah, it's great that we have different genres we're into. That sounds weird, but, you know, just stuff we like to delve into different, deeply. Different specialties. We fall into, yeah. Yeah. No, that's and great. Super random, but I have been down a rabbit hole recently yes. where I watched these like 
compilations of people getting arrested and like mm-hmm. being so entitled that they don't think that they can actually get arrested okay even though like i don't it's so random but it's like entitled people who think they can't be touched like getting arrested mm-hmm. and it's so satisfying, it satisfying and yeah. honestly it's also just like holy shit how disillusioned and like separated from reality can you be that you're like no this is my right this is my right you can't do this this Mm. is my right and they're like no like we are like law officials like we have the power to do this like this isn't your right like (laughs) it's just so because you can try all you want to approach them with logic and like Mm. the actual facts of the situation but Mm -hmm. they're so delusional that Mm -hmm. like and so in their own reality it's insane okay so those are fun and it's compilations of that yeah yeah wow you have to send me one and obviously like okay i'll do that and Mm. i think all the ones i've seen it was all in america Mm-hmm. So I wonder if there's something similar for like other parts of the world, but I think the creator yeah. is American and obviously has maybe like an easier time finding that footage because it's mm-hmm. all like, it's all like body cam footage right. from like the cops. Yeah. And I'm not sure yeah. they release that in other countries so easily. Yeah, I don't know. But there yeah, probably is less those are really interesting. Violence. Just saying so. Maybe less Honestly, need for it's so body insane. Cam, but yeah. It's so insane because in a lot of those cases, mm. they're like, you can't arrest me, you can't arrest me. And then the officers will be like, if you don't come, like, if you don't show me your identification or if you don't get out of the car, like, we mm. will force you out of the car, basically. Mm. And then when they, like, they've given like multiple warnings and the person's mm. like, no, 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 I'm not getting out or whatever. And then when they do get dragged out Mm. because they have been warned and still did not comply because if you do get a command, basically, that's like, this is what I want you to do and you don't follow it, Mm. they are allowed to, like, make you comply. Mm -hmm. And they don't seem to realize that. But as soon as the, like, cops make them comply because they will not, like... They are refusing or like resisting arrest basically mm. they will yell out like rape or like police brutality mm. because they're like this is I, this is how i can get out of it because mm. everybody knows about this and if i yell like help police brutality i didn't do mm. anything it's so like i i know for a fact there are corrupt like cops and people that do abuse their power Mm. but i feel like there's so many more Mm. that really just want to do their job like correctly and do all the things that a cop is supposed to stand for and supposed to do Mm. and for people to use that to get out of something that they themselves caused Mm. is so fucking insane yeah, I mean, at that point, I think those people are just trying everything to get out of trouble, right? Or yeah. being as, you know, just desperate. But yeah, it's that's a whole different topic that I guess I'm glad we don't have to deal with in our daily lives. Yeah. But yeah. it's and insane. And just one it's last just comment. So, yeah. One last comment. It's for me um devalues the Mm. situations where that is actually the case yeah and it makes everybody else less likely to believe it when it's actually happened it's like the boy Mm. who cried wolf you have all these women for example like yelling rape and then later Mm. on coming out it's like oh no i made it up Mm. and that seriously devalues and obviously like it's already so difficult for Mm people who are sexually assaulted to actually get anywhere with like reporting that and for Mm -hmm. it to like get to court and actually get justice Mm -hmm. and then so many people are just like making it up and like actually saying like oh yeah I just made it up for Mm -hmm. fun or whatever that it seriously devalues the actual incidence of that Mm -hmm. and like it's the same with like the police brutality like if you're just 
if everybody's just yelling it out because they're unhappy that they are caught doing something wrong, then in actual situations like George Floyd, for example, mm. then that won't be taken seriously. Yeah. Yeah. And that is such bullshit. And that just shows the entitlement so many people have. It's that so makes it so up. hard to have a like actual like proper functioning society. Mm. Okay. Rant <laughs> over. Yeah. And episode over. <laughs> episode over. <laughs> Leave your opinions so, um, in our under our Instagram post at Murder on Silk Road. Yep. Okay. Yes. Well, thanks for listening. And if you want to hear more about poisons, join us next Monday for our in between. Yes. So, Have a lovely week. Yeah. And we'll see you next time. Yep. Bye. Bye.